That was a great song just to um, kind of lead into what uh, I want to do as a start this morning. Actually, that, uh, just that idea of making a choice. Today I choose to follow you. And is, um, we're going to be carrying on in our, our study in Colossians. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, if you could uh, grab those or device, whatever you use. Um, there's Bibles in the chair in front of you. Um, also, something we added, you'll see in the chairs where we put like the little visitor card in that, there's a little sermon notes, or just a little notes thing there. So if you didn't bring a piece of paper, there's pens and paper there. And uh, just encouraging, just maybe you use one for six weeks, you know, just, but if God speaks, we know how we are as humans. We need to be, we need to have reminders and notifications and everything just so we don't forget. And what's more important than if God speaks, that we do what we can to remind ourselves. And so that's all that is. So you can take that. If something, God speaks to you today and you don't have something, write it down. Put it in your Bible. Next time when you open your devotions this week, there it is. Okay? So, um, Eric, if you have any other ideas, we're open to them. That was just the easy one that came to mind. So we're in Colossians again. And so to start this morning, um, as a way of, of uh, kind of getting us back up, reminding us of where we are, our heart, we get here to chapter 3. Um, we've looked so far. This is a letter that Paul wrote to this church in Colossae. Um, they had gotten off track and, and really pushed Jesus to the side. And so he's establishing and exalting Jesus. And so we've looked for several weeks now. where We've really talked about who Jesus is and what he's done. Right? I mean, we spent a bunch of time really looking at who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then how should we respond in that? And so I thought for this morning, the passage that kept coming to mind, and I've mentioned it in a couple of sermons, is Romans 10, um, 9 and 10. And I thought just as a way for us to remind ourselves um, of those realities, that's the foundation of our Christian life, is who Jesus is and what he's done for us, right? And so our response then, and this is, I like this verse because I think it just gives such a great picture of salvation, that there's the things we believe in our heart. That's the who Jesus is, right? We believe those to be true. And then we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that he's master of our life. And so we confess with our mouth. We make it public. And that's what that's, and then we live that out, right? And so this is the foundation. And so is, is a way of kind of doing that together. I just want to go back through a couple of the passages, the verses that we've looked at to this point about who Jesus is, about what he's done for us. And we're just going to, if you're willing, if you're a Christian, if you believe those things in your heart, right, as it says there, if you believe those in your heart, just say amen, and I'll lead you in it, right, okay? And so we'll go through, I'm glad you're ready, raring to go, because we'll go through, so amen just means let it be so, that's what the word means, okay? And, uh, and so that's why we say it at the end of a prayer, is we're basically saying what we have prayed, God, we want that to come to fruition, we want, let it be so. It also has the idea of of we acknowledge that to be true. Um, and so actually in the Gospels where Jesus says verily, verily, or truly, truly, it's actually in the original language is amen, amen. Um, and, it's, and, and so it's the same idea. It's, it's acknowledging that truth. And so we're going to do that together. But I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest as we say these things, that this isn't just something else that we're just going to say because I said, hey, let's do this, because the person beside you is saying it. This is the foundation of your faith. 
Do you believe these things in your heart, right? And if you believe them in your heart, then let's confess them because that's the foundation. Without that, none of the, you're, none of the other stuff's going to matter, right? And so let's start here. Let's remind ourselves. It's why this letter, that's what it starts with, is reminding those things. And so I'll read these first few out, and, and then I'll ask you to say amen, and you can just echo with amen. He's the image of the invisible God. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Amen? For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Amen? And he is the head of the body, the church. Amen? He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He might be first. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Amen? That's who he is. We believe that in our hearts. And then look what he's done for us. He, this is God the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen? Colossians 1, 21, 22, and 22. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he, Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Amen? And you who were dead in your trespasses, that's your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. And I love this. And he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Amen? Amen. So if we believe that, now we, we confess with our mouth. We, we, we make him Lord. We confess that he is Lord. We now, we believe those things in our heart. Now we have to live it out. And that's the surrender of our lives. And so I'd like this part. We're just going to read. There's been a couple of those verses. And so if you'd stand, if you wouldn't mind, if you'd stand with me, and we'll read these ones together. Um. I just put these as a, the italics there is a way to kind of personalize it. A couple of the verses I just, you'll see in brackets, I put, changed it to I instead of you so we can make it for us, okay? But again, if, if you're, this is a commitment, this is your confession to the Lord. If you believe these things, then, then read it together, okay? Let's read together. This is my heart's desire that by the power of Christ in me, I will... Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1.23 This is my heart's desire, that by the power of Christ in me, I will continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, that I heard. And last one. 
This is my heart's desire, that by the power of Christ in me, I will walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as I was taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thank you. You can be seated. Amen. And so with that as our foundation, we looked last week at, we, I called it living out the life. And we talked about, I said I was reading my kids' Pilgrim Progress. I just love that picture of they're on the road to the king, to the celestial city. That's the, you, be, you believe those things, you confess him as Lord, you start out your Christian life, and now you've got to live the rest of your life, right? And so we looked at some of the dangers that the outside that were coming in and pressuring us from the outside that looked to, it said last week, take us captive, right? And there were these deceptive and hollow philosophies from the world. There was these false religion from within that were coming to try and knock us off the road and tempt us off the road. And so we looked at that and, and how do we avoid those things? And this week, Paul's carrying on in the, in the letter here, and now he's going to go to the inside. I called it the, the, the sermon title today, Dangers from the Inside. What are those things that hinder us from living out the Christian life? And that's what today's passage is about. And so chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And so if last week we looked at these the, how do we know if, we're, if it's a worldly philosophy, it's, if it's deceptive or hollow? How do we know if it's false religion versus... We said it's always going to be man-centered. It's always going to be all about you. And it's going to be worldly. It's going to be, you know, the things that we can experience and see and touch and feel ourselves as humans, you know? And so what's the remedy? So here, if, you've been then, if you have then been raised with Christ, lift your head up. That's the answer. What do we do? We lift our head up. We look to the things that are above. We set our minds on the things that are above. And I like how it says, set your minds. Set your minds. It's, it's an act of the will. It's a decision we have to make. Because our, our natural self, our natural nature, isn't going to go there. Our natural self, our sinful nature, is going to go to what it's going to go to those worldly things that we looked at last week. It's going to want to do things that are for, are for us. It's going to look for be, being man-centered. It's going to just make decisions based on the world around us. We have to be intentional about seeking the things that are above. Right? And that's where the spiritual disciplines come in. That's why reading and praying and fellowshipping with one another, that's why those things are important. It's not to check a religious box. It's because this is a relationship. And we all know that relationships can't grow. You can't have a relationship if you never talk or interact with the person, right? We all know that from being human and our human relationships. And so it's no different. We do those things because we want to know him more. But it's, we have to be intentional about it. That's why they're spiritual disciplines. And I hope we can encourage one another on that. And so with that foundation, we, we're lifting our eyes up, getting our eyes off of the world, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. For you have died, and we've talked a lot about that. That old life is dead. That worldly life, we've said, we're turning our back on just doing things our way, right? And we've said, Lord, we want you to be 
the Lord of my life. We want to follow you, right? And I love how it pictures here, and your life is hidden with Christ. And that word hidden there had this idea of being secure and satisfied, right? And so this new life that we're looking to live out, it's kind of hidden because without the truth of God, right? If you think before you had the truth of God, you didn't really have an option but to live according to what you can figure out for yourself, right? I mean, that's really your only option. That's why the Bible gives that picture of being blind or lost, or, right? And, and, that, and that Jesus then, when we find out the truth, the truth, it's God's truth that leads us, you know? Because we were blind, but now God's truth leads us. We're no longer blind. We're no longer in the dark, right? Because his word, his truth is the light, right? And so that old life is dead. Now we have this new life hidden, but it's kind of hidden to the world around us, isn't it? Anybody ever talk to, like you talk to non-Christians and you say, well, because God's leading me this way, God told me, God, I'm trying to, I'm obeying God, right? And they look at you like you're strange, right? It's kind of, right? Well, that's this thing, because that, it's kind of hidden. We know it's real. We have the real relationship, but the, the world doesn't see it until, verse 4, Christ, who is our life, appears, right? And someday we're going to see, have the realization fully of that relationship, whether it's when we enter glory and are with him forever, or for some generation who's going to get to be the, the fortunate ones that are here when he cracks open the sky and comes in power, and that'll be awesome. Amen. So, so there, there again is just once again, Paul just, you'll see a lot in his letters if you get into reading the, the epistles, they call them, the letters Paul wrote, is that he does these like circular, he goes around and around, he comes back and he reinforces again the foundation and then he gives his next thing. So he's just done that again. This is, this is really a summary of everything we've talked about. And it's a summary of what we did this morning, reminding ourselves of what we believe and confessing um, um, our commitment to live it out. And so now let's get into then our caution that it gives us for today. Starting at verse 5 now, these are the dangers from within. These are the things that can get us off track. With our eyes lifted up, we look to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly. That put to death, in the original language there, is, is strong language. It's, it's urgent and decisive. In other words, it's kill it dead now. That's kind of what that's saying. Kill it dead now. Okay? And it's yelling it, and I was being nice. But I should have yelled it. So you pretend I did. But that's, that's what it was going to come across when Paul wrote it. It's, it's kill it dead now. Okay, therefore, what is earthly in you? And then it gives this list. And, and we're going to see, I want you to keep in mind that earthly, right? Because that's that old life that we killed, right? That is dead, that we're leaving behind. And look at these things. Sexual immorality, that's just, that's just anything outside God's design for marriage. One man, one wife, right? Husband and wife. That's the, anything outside of that is sexual immorality. Impurity is, impurity is more about a lifestyle. Impurity takes it to, to just 
being, we want to be holy in our lives, right? And so we want to be pure in how we live out our lives. So it's a general way and attitude that we carry. And that's striving for purity. Impurity is the opposite of that. And then passion, or some, your translation might be lust. Passion or lust is, gets down to the heart's desire, right? That kind of gets down to the root of it. Out of the heart then comes the attitude which manifests itself in, in the immorality that comes, right? And so he's, it's kind of that whole picture. And as I thought about this, these are, he's calling these earthly things that we're supposed to kill because if you think about the world around us, the world doesn't hold to our Christian view of marriage, right? Far from it. They think that we're, well, now it's not even just silly, but bigoted and against us, you know? Because we hold God's good design, we look at the, the hurt that there is within the world because they don't hold all the damage and hurt that comes from not holding God's good design for marriage. For impurity, and we are bombarded in our media, bombarded by, it just, it sells, we know that, right? And we are just bombarded by this, and it's celebrated within the world. Music and that, I mean, it's just, it's the, it's the theme of almost every other song on the radio and TV and internet, like, you know. And so these things that are celebrated for the world, we as the church, we separate ourselves, we put those things to death, that, that, those things have died those worldly ways. And then he carries on with, with that one. Evil desire and covetousness, which is the idolatry. And so we look at these things as well. Evil desire is kind of, again, just talking about a heart, our desires of our heart. Covetousness and greed, we think when we know what those words mean, you know, wanting more money or wanting something you don't have. But but I like this, this definition here. I found that it, it's, the words there are actually a little bit broader than that. The, the arrogant and careless assumption that other people and things exist for my benefit. That's kind of what, that's what that word's really getting at, right? So it's more than just want more money or stuff, okay? It's, it's, it's a heart attitude. It's an attitude that's getting that everything's to serve me. It's all for me, right? Versus what Jesus said, which was obviously to serve and love others, right? And so that's why it's idolatry. Anything that then that takes and puts something else in Jesus' place, puts, raises something else up, anything, including ourselves, we make ourselves our own God. We can make ourselves our own idol, worship ourselves when we just think about our own interests only. You know, that's that idea. Everything else is there to serve me and give me what I want. These are the things that the world celebrates, and again, we look at the world, and the world celebrates. You are encouraged, society's encouraged to go get yours, make more money as much as you can, spend it on whatever makes you happy. It's what advertising bombards us with all day, right? That is the world's way. That's why these are earthly things. But Jesus is saying, put them to death. Kill them dead now, right? Kill them dead now. These are what you once walked And then he carries on, verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And if that last list, um, I think that last list we looked at, it's pretty, in general we could say that there's usually a pretty good definition between the world and the church. You know what I mean? Most Christians would say, yeah, those things are bad and we try not to do them. And 
we would kind of be critical of the world for them. But this list, this one's hard. This is the list that the world is critical of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's why those were the earthly things, but, but now you must put them all away. Right? Not just the earthly things that we know about. These things too, the things that sometimes we tolerate within the church. And don't take as strong as a stance if we should. Anger and wrath. Those words, the words, the original words there, um, they, they're used interchangeably. And so they both have kind of these two meanings. One, it can either be related to having a temper, having an outburst of anger, right? You can have that, but it can also just be a general attitude. Just, just a negative, angry, grumpy, frustrated attitude. Just the opposite of joy. You know what I mean? That, that idea too, that just an angry overall who you are. And so both those things, and just the opposite, what a contrast to what joy is supposed to be evident in our lives as Christians, right? The joy of, our, of the Lord is our, supposed to be our strength, right? Malice. Malice is, is ill will or ill feelings towards someone. So again, it's down in the heart. It's feelings we have, right? And then slander is that you start to, often malice can can come out in slander. And slander is then just simply tearing someone down instead of building them up. It could be with words or actions or something, but tearing them down instead of building them up. And an obscene talk, or maybe your translation says filthy language or filthy talk, and it's just a big umbrella term for anything you could think of that would fall in there. Of course, joking and swearing and bad humor and just being, even, I think of those sarcasm, you know. I need to be careful that Sarcasm doesn't cross in any way that would be disrespectful, dishonoring to either another person or to God, right? We just need to watch how we talk. And so we have all these things. Put them away. And then he kind of sums it up here in verses 9 down to 11. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. And so at first you look at this do not lie, and if you just skim past that do not lie, that first thing there, first verse there on the screen, um, it seems pretty simple. I mean, don't tell lies to each other. We learn that as little kids, right? But I think this is getting at something deeper. If you look at the context of it here, he puts this right after that list, right? And it was all things that are relational. Anger and wrath and malice and slander and, and those things. Those are the things that break down relationships. They cause division. They cause hurt, Right? relational. And that's why then afterwards, it talks about, I mean, verse 11 is about there, there shouldn't be that division in Christ, right? There shouldn't be that division. And so we can tell a lie, right? But lying is not just telling a lie, it's also giving off a false impression to others. 
And I think what this is, why this, that do not lie is there is because in relation to us gathering as the church, we can put on a face. And if we're hiding anger towards someone or bitterness or malice, you know, and we come into church and we smile and we shake their hand and we pretend like it's fine, and then we walk out for another Sunday. It's a lie. It's a lie. And why it's so damaging, church? It's because it allows that root of bitterness and frustration and anger and wrath to just root itself down in deeper. That's why we have to kill it dead now. Kill it dead now. And the only way that we can kill it dead now, that we can actually resolve those things, is we have to bring them out. We have to go to the person and say, I need you to know I've been hurt. I need you to know there's an offense. And for us to be the body, right, that Christ is calling us to be, we need to resolve those things. We can't let them simmer and hurt. We have to bring them up and fix those. Because Christ is all and in all. We're doing it for him. We said that we acknowledge today that this is his church and he's the head. And take this as an encouragement. I know it's a, it's a, it's a heavier passage today, but that's, I didn't write it, okay? But take it as an encouragement today. This is the encouragement. That last one. But Christ is all and in all. If we all, all your brothers and sisters, if we all have the same Lord, if our true heart's desire that we confess together out loud together is that Jesus is our Lord, that we want to live our life for him and towards him, right? If that's our true heart's desire for each one, and Christ is in all, if your fellow believers, your fellow people in this body have the same Holy Spirit, right, that Christ sent to them, he's given to you, then how, there, there can't be any conflict that's unresolved, that can't be resolved. You know, do you believe that? If we have the same Lord and we have the same Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, right? It doesn't make it easy. But we know that there can't be anything that uh, can be greater, that couldn't be resolved if those things are true and we believe that they are. And so our encouragement then is to put on then is God's chosen ones. He chose you. You're a child of his. Right? Holy. Holy. Not because of anything you did, but because of what Jesus did. You've been made holy and loved. He loves you so much, and he loves the other person, and he loves us as a church. He loves us. That's his heart for us. Put on then, and then basically describing God's heart for you. Chosen, holy, loved. What do we put on? It's just like putting on clothes. Again, it has to be intentional. You've got to do up your buttons and tie your shoes. We intentionally 
by choice, put on. And the other thing with the clothes idea, analogy there that it's getting at is that it's what's visible, right? That when we interact with people, what they should see are these things, not the anger, not the grumpy attitude, right? Not the negativity. They should see these things in us. It should be evidence because it's what we're wearing. So put them on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. You see, if we came in with the, those attitudes, you know, if we want to, to take a step towards resolving, if there's any hurt or anything, what step do we take? Look to, to create those attitudes. If we came into our interactions with each other with compassion and kindness and humility and patience, that's the start to resolution right there. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another. You know, I like that verse, that God put that in there, because it acknowledges that they exist, right? Right? It's just, that's the reality of our fallen human nature, is that there's going to be complaints. We're going to need patience. We're going to need to bear with one another. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put the verse in there if we didn't need it, right? And so we know it's a reality, and so what do we do? We forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And love, binding everything together, it's connected with forgiveness. So you know what the purpose of forgiveness is. I mean, we often know what we're supposed to forgive, but what's the point? What's the point in forgiving? Go take a drink of water. What's the, what's the point in forgiveness? Idea? It frees yourself. Yeah, I'll come back to that in a minute. Any other ideas? What else does forgiveness do? What's the point, the purpose of forgiveness? Sorry, there's a couple of voices there. Reconciliation. Amen. Yes. And I think, I'm going to say, part of the process of forgiveness does free yourself. That's one of the incredible beautiful things that can only come about when it, through forgiveness is that it actually it frees you yourself. But the point of it, the purpose, is restored relationship. And relationships are built on love. And so I'll give you my definition of forgiveness. My defini definition of forgiveness is this. It is a choice, not an emotion. It is a choice to put aside whatever it is that's hindering you from loving the person that hurt you. Hmm? It's a choice. And so you're gonna, when you see them, you're going to have emotions well up, right? What is it you feel when you see that person? What memories come up? And in that moment, you're going to have to make a choice that I'm going to put those aside and I'm going to choose to love them. And you know what? Next week when you see them, you're probably going to have some of those emotions again. And you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to choose again to put them aside and to say, I'm going to love them. And it is, that is how then you can restore relationship. And we know that that is what forgiveness is because as it says, God gave us the example. What was his example? Jesus forgave us. Why? 
What was the point of the cross? What did that get for us? Relationship. Relationship with God. Without the cross, there could be no relationship. The point was restored relationship with God. What was broken by sin. And how did he do it? What was the, the foundation of that? Why? For God so the world. Right? Love that binds it all together. And so church, what is it that God's asking you to do today, this week? Make a decision. Make it decisive. Make it urgent. Do it. <laughs> do it now. Right? That's what God is asking. And it might be something, maybe there is a relationship that you need to make right. It could be here, it could be outside of here, it could be with someone else, family, co-worker, I don't know. Right? That God's asking you to make right. Maybe there's something in that list of earthly things that you're, you need to kill, <laughs> need to put off. One of those things, and, and the, by the power of Christ in you, don't do it alone, don't struggle on your own. You can't overcome it by pulling up yourself, right? You need Christ, and he has given you a church body. You don't have to tell everybody what you're struggling with, but tell somebody, okay? Somebody that can help you and encourage you and walk with you. And as you strive to put those things off, amen? And then let's be that kind of church, let us encourage one another and support one another and build one another up and see ourselves put off those things and put on um, all the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may it be our true heart's desire to be obedient to you. We know that in our, in our, in our humanness, it's so easy to walk out the doors of this church and to justify it to allow the, our sinful nature to tell us it's okay for some reason or why we can't take that step that you're asking us to take. And so, Jesus, I pray for courage for these people, Lord, to obey what you are asking them to do. We ask, Lord Jesus, that your love would be so strong within us that we would be united. Jesus, you prayed that we would be one, even as you and the Father are one. Bring us together to love one another, to forgive one another as you forgave us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your love. May we walk in it this week. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. And as, as we're able.